everybody to another episode of In a Pickle, the show dedicated to the less glamorous side of baseball. I am your host, Dave Houghton, and I'm here for another episode of the fabulous IAE Radio. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, thanks for listening last week when we talked about Denny Nagel. And I hope you guys all got the life lesson where you always read the fine print on your contract and you never, ever, ever trust a hooker. Uh, oof, boy, Denny, you went from a uh, big league contract, I, I think it was uh, five years at 50-something million dollars, and then you decided to just uh, unbuckle your belt and get that hooker. And then... Uh, of course, you got caught. So, and then the uh, if if you didn't listen to the episode, I'll just give you the uh, if you didn't listen to the episode, well, please go back and listen to it at iapradio.com. First off, okay. Um, if you have the intention of listening to the episode, but just want to know the fine print, um, Nagel was given that big contract, and then uh, the Rockies told him to screw because of uh, his uh, the clause of just being indecent so anyways so i told you last week that we have another denny on the map today so today we're talking about denny mclean dennis mclean was a pitcher for about 10 seasons his longest stint was over with the detroit tigers for about seven seasons during that time mclean became the most recent mlb pitcher to win 30 games or more during a season. Now I say, I say most recent, this is at press time. So in the future, if somebody goes, uh, uh, 32 and five, I, I don't want you to tweet at me and say, Oh, Danny McLean is the one who did it anymore. But you know, follow me on Twitter, IEP radio. Uh, so that season, one of the, one of the seasons he went 31 and six, a feat accomplished only by 11 players in the 20th century. Now, I won't name all the players on this list, but just to give you a little insight on the accomplishment, one of the most notable players to reach the list is none other than Cy Young, who went 33 and 10 in 1901 for the Boston Americans. McLean's amazing performance at the beginning of his major league career included two Cy Young awards and an AL MVP award. Here's a fun fact for you. Even though Denny McLean's 31 wins in a season is very impressive, the all-time record belongs to Charles Old Haas Radburn who went who actually went 60 and 12 in 1884 for the Providence Grays. 60 and 12. Jesus. Redbird finished the season with a league leading 678.2 innings pitched in 73 complete games. And he won the Triple Crown with a record of 60 and 12 with an ERA of 1.38. He also had 441 strikeouts. Th this guy, I wonder why they called him Ole Haas. His 60 wins in a season is a record, which honestly, it's expected never to be broken because no starter has ever made uh, as many, uh, even as many as 37 
starts in a season since 1991. Also, his 678.2 innings pitched stands at second all-time behind only Willie White, who pitched 680 innings in 1879 for a single season. Man, they really just beat these guys in the 1800s, huh? Fun fact about Will White, he accomplished he accomplished another major league first. Will was the first and for many years the only major league player to wear eyeglasses on the baseball field. That's uh that's one for all you nerds who wear glasses. And uh just an FYI, I'm wearing glasses right now. Speaking of glasses, Denny McLean wore glasses. This episode is brought to you by Buffalo Optical Company. And now back to the show. Denny McLean was born in Markham, Illinois, and attended Mount Carmel High School in Chicago, where he played on the baseball team as a shortstop and a pitcher. As a teenager, he met his future wife, Shara Boudreau, the daughter of Major League player Lou Boudreau. McLean was also musically talented, learning to play the organ from his father. Get that out of your mind, you sickos. Just real quick before we get back to Denny, Lou Boudreau had three different nicknames in the MLB, and I know how much we love a good nickname on this show. He went by Old Shuttlefoot, Handsome Lou, and The Good Kid. Lou was also a player-slash-coach for the 1948 World Series winning Cleveland Indians. This uh, this this actually might be the 500th time I've mentioned the fact that the Cleveland Indians last won a title in 1948. Handsome Lou was also a player slash coach for the Boston Red Sox in 1952. This episode is actually chock full of fun facts today. You probably thought that I was going to have a fun fact about Denny playing the organ. Like, like maybe I'll tell you that I found his album somewhere online or something. Well, here's a fun fact. I actually found his album online. And I have it in my collection in my office. I'll post the picture on our Instagram page. After graduating high school in 1962, McLean was signed by the Chicago White Sox as a amateur free agent. He was assigned to play with the Harlan Smokies of the Appalachian League. Denny had a spectacular performance in his minor league debut, throwing a no-hitter and striking out 16 batters in a game against the Salem Rebels on June 28th. After just two games with the Smokies, he was promoted to the Clinton Sea Sox, now called the Lumber King of the Midwest League. While with the Sea Sox, Denny posted a 4-7 and record. At the time, players with only one year of service in the minor league were subject to another draft if not called up to the majors. The White Sox decided to leave McLean in the minors and was selected off waivers by the Detroit Tigers on April 8th, 1963. He progressed swiftly through the Tigers minor league system, jumping from single A ball to double A ball in just a few months. The Tigers actually saw a lot of promise in Denny, so much promise that they decided to call him up all the way from double A to the majors. And he made his major league debut on September 21st, 1963 at only the age of 19. 
as luck would have it, his debut was actually against the Chicago White Sox. He was almost as impressive at his, as his minor league debut, holding the White Sox to just one earned run on seven hits. He also picked off two base runners and hit a home run, which was the only home run of his major league career. McLean is one of only six teenage pitchers to hit a major league home run since 1920, a list that includes some great Hall of Famers such as Don Drysdale and Jim Palmer. McLean began the 64 season with the Syracuse Chiefs of the International League, but was called back to the Tigers in early June and ended the season with a win-loss of 4-5. and five. He then went to go play ball in Puerto Rico, where he posted a 13-2 and record and helped the team win the league championship. In 1965, he was called back to the Tigers and continued to pitch well for them. On June 15th, McLean set a major league record for relief pitchers when he struck out the first seven batters he faced after entering the game in the first inning to relieve starting pitcher Dave Wickersham. He ended the season with a 16-6 and record in a 2.61 ERA with 192 strikeouts, the third highest strikeout total in the American League behind Sam McDonald and teammate Mickey Loesch. Although he had a curveball and a changeup, he relied mostly on his fastball to get batters out. Now, I know I've mentioned this before, but the character of Sam Malone, the ex-alcoholic Red Sox pitcher portrayed by handsome Ted Danson in the show Cheers, was actually based on the baseball life of Sam McDowell. Mickey would actually go on to own a donut shop after baseball. I love a good donut. And by the looks of it, later on in life, Denny liked a good donut too. Again, check out the Instagram page for that reference. Also, don't hesitate to send a donut or two my way. In 1966, Denny had a 13-4 midseason record and earned the role of American League starting pitcher in the 1966 All-Star Game, where he threw just 28 pitches to retire all nine batters he faced. He finished that season with a 20-14 record with an ERA of 3.92. In 1967, the Tigers would hire former Major League pitcher Johnny Shane as their pitching coach. Johnny helped develop McLean's pitching skills and taught him the psychology of pitching. The 1967 season was very memorable due to the tight four-way pennant race between the Tigers, the Red Sox, the Twins, and the White Sox. Denny finished that season with a 17-16 and record with a 3.79 ERA, but was winless after August 29th. On September 18th, McLean reported that he had severely injured two toes on his left foot, saying that he stubbed them after his foot fell asleep. Go back and listen to Weird Sports Injuries on IEPRadio.com. Going into the final game of the season against the California Angels, the Tigers desperately needed a victory to force a one-game playoff with the Boston Red Sox for the AL pennant. McLean pitched ineffectively in the final game and the Tigers lost to finish the season one game behind the Red Sox. I know I've mentioned this before, but do you remember that time David Price said that 
his hands were falling asleep because he was playing Fortnite, or that time Josh Beckett hurt his back and then played golf the next day instead of playing the game. McLean broke two toes and still tried to play. Ten games into the 1968 season, the Tigers were in first place, having won nine consecutive games after losing the home opener. McLean made a controversial statement in early May by criticizing Detroit fans for being the biggest front-running fans in the world. He continued to win games at a remarkable pace, registering his 29th victory on September 10th. On September 13th, he appeared on the cover of Time Magazine. On September 14th at Tiger Stadium, McLean pitched the Tigers to a 5-4 victory over the Oakland A's in front of the nationally televised audience to become MLB's first 30-game winner since 1934. Dizzy Dean, the previous 30-game winner, was on hand to congratulate him. Yeah, you know it's coming. Fun fact, Dizzy Dean's St. Louis Cardinals beat the Tigers in the 1934 World Series. The Cardinals team was called the Gas House Gang because between 1930 and 1934, St. Louis won three NL pennants, 1930, 1931, and 1934, and throughout that time, two World Series titles. After the Tigers had clinched the 1968 AL pennant, McLean added to his outstanding season while pitching his 31st and final regular season victory against the Yankees on September 19th. McLean had grown up idolizing the New York Yankees, especially center fielder Mickey Mantle, who entered the game tied with Jimmy Fox for third place in the Major League career home run list. When Mantle, who was only nine days away from his last Major League appearance, came to bat in the eighth inning with the Tigers leading 6-1, to one, McLean intentionally threw a soft pitch directly over home plate, allegedly. Other accounts said that he called catcher Jim Price to the mound and had him tell Mantle that he would be throwing only fastballs. Mickey Mantle hit the pitch for his 535th career home run, the second-to-last home run Mantle would hit in his career putting him in sole possession of third place on the all-time home run list behind only Babe Ruth and Willie Mays. As Mantle ran around the bases, McLean stood on the pitcher's mound and applauded. Mantle tipped his hat to Denny as he rounded the bases. The next batter, Joe Pepitone, waved his bat over the plate as if to ask for an easy pitch of his own. Denny responded by throwing the next pitch over Joe's head. After the game, Denny denied that he had served up an easy pitch for Mantle to hit. However, he was later reprimanded by the MLB commissioner. McLean finished with a 31-6 record along with a 1.96 ERA as the Tigers won the AL pennant by 12 games. He had himself 280 strikeouts and 63 walks, a Tigers season record that stood until 2016 when it was eclipsed by Justin Verlander. Denny also earned his second All-Star berth and won the 1968 American League Cy Young Award, as well as the AL MVP, the first by an American League pitcher since Bobby Schrantz in 1952 and the first by a Tiger since fellow pitcher Hal Neuhauser's back-to-back -back honors in 1944 and 1945. He was also the first pitcher in AL history to win MVP award and Cy Young award in the same season. 
St. Louis Cardinals' Bob Gibson won the NL's MVP award that same year, making 1968 the only season to date in which a pitcher won the MVP award in both leagues. McLean's performance in the Tigers' 1968 World Series win over the Cardinals was not as impressive as his regular season. Having already pitched 336 innings in 28 complete games during the regular season, a sore arm McLean lost twice to Gibson, including a still-standing World Series record 17-strikeout performance in the opener to help put down the Tigers three games to one. Trailing three games to two, Denny won a crucial game six on just two days rest with the help of a grand slam by Jim Northup. Teammate Mickey Lolick and his donuts won three games during the series, including a complete game seven against Gibson and won the World Series MVP award. After the season, when Denny was asked about Lolick's performance in the World Series, he responded controversially by saying, I wouldn't trade one Bob Gibson for 12 Mickeys. You know, my grandmother always used to tell me that old cliche that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. I guess Danny never heard my Nana say that. Anyways, that season became known as the year of the pitcher with batting averages and run production dropping in both AL and NL after the record home run year by Roger Maris in 1961. Major League increased the size of the strike zone from the top of the batter's shoulder to the bottom of the knees. Pitchers such as McLean and Gibson, among others, dominated hitters, producing 339 shutouts in 1968. Kalia was the only American League hitter to finish the season with a batting average higher than 300. In the NL, Gibson posted a 1.12 ERA, the lowest in 54 years. While Dodgers pitcher Don Drysdale threw a record 58 consecutive scoreless innings during the 1968 season. As a result of dropping offensive statistics, MLB actually stepped in to reduce the advantage held by pitchers by lowering the height of the pitcher's mound from 15 inches to 10 inches and by reducing the strike zone for the 1969 season. Since then, no pitcher has won more than 27 games in a season. People want to see dingers, not pitchers. In January of 1969, Denny was selected as the AP's Male Athlete of the Year. He created more disruption when he was named as starting pitcher for the AL in the 1969 All-Star Game in Washington, D.C., but missed the start of a game because of a dental appointment in Detroit. You know how important dentist appointments are. The appointment was scheduled for Wednesday the 23rd, the day after the All-Star game, but because of a rainout on the scheduled date, the game was actually played on the 23rd. McLean was a nonconformist and liked to play by his own rules. He had learned to fly and purchased an airplane. Having kept his dental appointment, he then flew himself to Washington, arriving at the game during the second inning. He pitched in the fourth inning, but by then the National League had already built a 9-2 lead. McLean created more tension in the locker room when Tigers manager Mayo Smith fired pitching coach Johnny Sane. Despite the troubles, McLean had another productive season in 1969, 
winning 24 games and a second consecutive Cy Young Award, tying with Baltimore's Mike Kuehler, making it the first time two players had shared the award. This would be the last award of his major league career. Ding, 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 ding. And that sound means the wheels are about to fall off. In February of 1970, both Sports Illustrated and Penthouse Magazine, and of course I know any of you older generation listeners only got Penthouse for the articles, they both published articles about Denny's involvement in bookmaking activities. Sports Illustrated cited sources who alleged that the foot injury suffered by McLean in late 1967 was caused by an organized crime figure who stomped on Denny's foot after punishment for failing to pay off a lost debt. Early in his career, McLean's interest in betting on horses was piqued by Chuck Dresser, one of his first managers. Denny descended into gambling obsession. McLean's descent into his gambling obsession was further precipitated by an offhand remark made during the interview that he drank about a case of Pepsi a day when he pitched. And he was also known to drink Pepsi during innings. A representative from Pepsi then offered McLean a contract with the company just for doing a few endorsements. McLean soon realized that he and the Pepsi representative shared an affinity for gambling. When the two realized how much money they were losing, and that they could earn so much more by taking the action. They attempted to set up a bookmaking operation as hands-off silent partners. I'm not much of a gambler, but this all seems like a very bad idea. McLean was suspended indefinitely by baseball commissioner Buey Kuhn. The suspension was set for the first three months of the 1970 season. He returned mid-season, but struggled to pitch well. The Tigers suspended him for seven days after he doused Detroit sports writers with a bucket of water. Just as the seven-day suspension was about to end, he was suspended again, this time for the remainder of the season by the MLB commissioner for carrying a gun on a team flight. Denny's 1970 season ended with a win-loss record of 3-5. and Later that year, he was forced into bankruptcy despite being the first $100,000 player in Tigers history. Meanwhile, McLean and friend Jim Northrup co-schemed to make more money. They were back in Detroit, furthering a plan that would sh- that they would share to generate a nude baseball model calendar. These efforts, with no pun intended, eventually fell short. I'm not sure, but I think think Jose Canseco might have posed for Playgirl once. What I am sure of is that Jerry Remy actually did pose for Playgirl in a July 1984 edition. The 1984 Playgirl magazine actually convinced a number of baseball stars to pose seductively within their pages. Players like Steve McCarty, George Brett, Dan Ford, Ricky Henderson, and Jerry Remy all appeared in that issue. And no, I didn't get a copy of that on eBay yet. So now on October 9th, 1970, the Tigers traded McLean along with Elliot Maddox, Norm McRae, and Don West to the Washington Senators for Joe Coleman, Eddie Berkman, 
Jim Hanna, and Arulio Rodriguez. MLB commissioner actually had to clear this trade because McLean was still under suspension and suspended players cannot be traded without commissioner's permission. Buey Kuhn later wrote in a, in his autobiography, Hardball, the education of a baseball commissioner, that he was shocked at what he called a foolish gamble by the senators. He also predicted that the, t- the trade would turn out to be a tiger heist. The McLean trade was made over the objection of senators manager Ted Williams, who had very little patience for McLean's, quote, high living. The feeling was mutual early in the 1971 season. McLean became a charter member of the Underminers Club, a group of five players dedicated to getting Williams fired. They spent much of the season feuding over Ted Williams' use of the then-unusual five-man pitching rotation for his starters. Senators broadcaster Shelby Whitfield later said that when Williams yanked McLean early from the July 5th game against the Indians, McLean threatened to call Senators owner Bob Short to get Ted Williams fired. But by this time, McLean's arm was actually junk, inadvertently made worse by numerous cortisone shots he took to deal with the pain. I wonder if he was actually injecting Pepsi and not the actual meds. McLean essentially stopped throwing fastballs midway through the 1971 season. And due to his arm troubles, inability to get along with Ted Williams of all people, McLean went 10 and 22. He went from going from league leader in wins to two years later leading the league in losses. McLean's 22 losses, a mark later tied by three pitchers, all in the 1974 season, remains the most in major league history since Jack Fisher of the Mets, who lost 24 games in 1965. Jack Fisher, a.k.a. Fat Jack, another cool nickname to add to the list. After the 1971 season, Denny was traded to the Oakland A's for journey pitcher Jim Panther and prospect Don Stanhouse, who actually went on to have a few good years as the Baltimore Orioles closer in the late 70s. After only five starts with one win in an ERA of 6.4, the Athletics sent McLean to the minors on May 15th. The Associated Press said the reasons for the demotion were because Denny's pitches were lacking steam, and he had a medical problem. On June 29th, the Oakland A's traded Denny to the Atlanta Braves for Orlando Cepeda, who probably will get his own show soon. Denny would only go 3-5 for with Atlanta, and his overall total for 1972 were 4-7 with a 6.37 ERA. His final major league appearance came on September 12th against the Cincinnati Reds. He came into a tied game in the ninth, and promptly gave up three runs without retiring a batter, taking the loss. Coincidentally, the last batter Denny faced in the major leagues was Mr. Pete I Didn't Bet on Baseball Rose, who we all know was involved in a gambling scandal years later. The Braves released McLean during spring training on March 26, 1973. After a short stint in the minor league club in Des Moines and Shreveport, McLean decided that it was time to hang it up. Three years after winning 31 games and two years after winning his second 
second consecutive Cy Young, he was washed up and out of baseball at the age of 29, a complete fall from grace. During his success in the MLB, it led to endorsement opportunities with the Hammond Organ Company. He also made a musical appearance in Vegas and was invited with his musical quartet on the Ed Sullivan Show along with his World Series opponent and guitarist Bob Gibson. McLean also made an appearance on the Steve Allen Show and the Joey Bishop Show. He also released two albums on Capitol Records, Danny McLean at the Organ in 1968 and Danny McLean in Vegas in 1969. And for $29.99 plus $9.95 shipping, you can get an autographed copy of the 1968 album. 131 wins, 91 losses, three-time All-Star, AL MVP, two-time Cy Young winner, and a World Series champion, and out of baseball before the age of 30. You know it's because he relied so much on his fastball, he also surrendered a giant number of home runs. He led the AL in home runs allowed in three consecutive years. After baseball, McLean continued to earn side money playing the organ at clubs, including a club in suburban Detroit where former heavyweight boxing champion Leon Spinks worked as a bartender. McLean also earned quite a bit of money hustling at golf, easily attracting, quote, marks due to his past baseball fame. He once accepted $160,000 to fly a wanted felon out of the country. Denny's weight ballooned to 330 pounds during his, his post-baseball career. He also went to prison for drug trafficking, cocaine, embezzlement, and racketeering. Between his stints in prison and in rehab in the mid-1980s to early 1990s, McLean went on various talk radio sports shows and occasionally would guest spot on sports shows on network television in the Detroit area. He, he also modeled Hanes underwear oh, at 330 pounds. I'm a big dude, but I would, I would not model Hanes underwear. I would not model underwear at all. What, what am I, just a big fat guy with underwear? But maybe the saddest yet funniest part is that he could be found signing autographs at a Metro Detroit 7-Eleven store at the corner of Mount Road and Metro Parkway in Sterling Heights, Michigan, where he was employed on a work release program. After his release from prison, he also hosted a popular daily talk radio show for a few years in Detroit, WXYT. Sadly, McLean's oldest daughter, Kristen, who was 26, was killed on March 20th, 1992 in a drunk driving accident. She had been living in Florida and was moving back to Michigan when she was killed just a few miles from her parents' home. In part to escape his grief, McLean and several partners bought Pete Packing Company located in a small town in Michigan in 1994. McLean was also a partner in a Michigan radio network. Both companies went bankrupt two years later. In 1996, he was convicted on charges of embezzlement, mail fraud, and conspiracy in connection with the theft of two 
$1.5 million from Pete employees' pension funds. McLean would spend six years in prison, and to this day, he insists he knew nothing about the shady financial deals alleged by the government. McLean claims he paid restitution for his incident. On April 11th, 2008, McLean was arrested without incident after deputies discovered an outstanding warrant against him for failing to appear for a January 16th court hearing. On September 22nd, 2011, Denny was arrested again, this time at the Canadian border after officials discovered an outstanding warrant against him from St. Charles Parish, Louisiana. Because of construction detours, McLean had inadvertently taken an exit off of I-94, sending him directly across the Blue Water Bridge into Canada. He immediately returned to the U.S., where he was obligated to go through a U.S. Custom and Border Protection inspection booth. The outstanding warrant was then discovered, for which McLean was jailed in Port Huron, Michigan. In less than a week, the warrant was cleared and McLean was released. And finally, in October of 2020, Danny McLean had an estate sale, which was hosted by Aaron's estate sale. And this event was actually covered by ESPN. Boy, what a ride. All right, and that is Denny McLean, the second Denny in a week, both actually pitchers. This Denny, though, didn't have any hookers running him out to the police. He just made some really bad choices. All right, so that is it for this episode. Check us out at iapradio.com. Go over to that link and follow us on all our social media accounts. Go on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Please like and subscribe, follow, follow, and rate us on all our things. Go over to iTunes. This show is now on iTunes. If anybody actually uses that, I use Spotify. You can go on Spotify and actually rate this show now. Please give me a rate. Anything that would be helpful to move me up the chart. Much of All right, so that is the end, and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.